When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 7 of Gerard Evolution of a Revolution, the show that looks back on Stephen Gerrard's time as Rangers manager, the changes both in him as a manager and his team as Rangers went from complete also-rans in the summer of 2018 to undefeated league champions in the summer of 2021. My name's David Edgar and I'm joined of course by the leader of Four Lads Had a Dream website, it's Stevie Clifford. Hi David, uh, hi everyone. I'm just I'm actually just sitting um, chuckling away, David, when you said episode seven. I think we set out, um, and the first idea we had was was maybe four episode maximum, <laughs> and the reaction from everybody has been sensational, and the fun that we've had doing it. You know, it wouldn't it wouldn't be worth it if it wasn't for the the feedback and everybody listening. So huge thanks to that. But it's a real privilege to be here to do this and um, to discuss the manager himself, and we're getting to the. The good part, David. Not that everything hasn't been good, but we're, yes. now, we're about to talk about, you know, Rangers title winning Rangers and title winning Stephen Gerrard. Well, we are, but before then, I'm sorry. I feel bad now. I feel like a parent who's told their kid that they were getting Pizza Hut only to find that it was a salad. Uh, I feel really bad because before we get into that, I think that we need to talk about cups and the reason that that came to the fore at the part of the season where we are, because if you've been following the show till now, you'll know that uh, we've just won the title, was that there were uh, a couple of targets left, one of which was achieved, one of which was not. And we'll start with the one which was not, and that, of course, was to win the Scottish Cup. Now, Rangers' record under Stephen Gerrard, as we've discussed in previous episodes, has not been good in Cups. Rangers have really struggled, I think, to put together decent Cup runs. In the first season, uh, we lost to Aberdeen in the League Cup semi-final when we 
had to play Umar Sadiq up front. The now um, 40 million Umar Sadiq rated, apparently, according to Transfer Gossip, um, after Alfredo Morelos' suspension and Kyle Lafferty being cup-tied meant that the Rangers had to go into that match really with a recognised striker, apart from the untried Sadiq, who hadn't played a league match and wouldn't, in fact, play a league match for Rangers. Uh, later that season, we had a very tough cup draw for us. You'd have to say we had Kilmarnock beat them at Ibrox after a replay. We had Aberdeen, whom we drew with at Pataudry, um, not playing well at all, and then lost in a very poor match at Ibrox um, to get knocked out of the cup. Year two... And uh, it was a case of, well, could could Rangers continue uh, to to grow and do better? Uh, we reached the League Cup final, which we'll discuss to lose, uh, unfortunately, but still lose to Celtic. And then we're knocked out of the Cup, the Scottish Cup at Tynecastle after a dreadful performance against the Hartside that really has come to epitomise the second half of the year collapse. This year, however, things seemed to be to be looking up for Rangers. Um, Celtic's 12-trophy run had been broken by Ross County at Parkhead and a, a huge shock. However, Rangers went out to St Mirren in the quarterfinals in a match that we've discussed previously. And again, Rangers had taken care of Celtic ourselves this time. And uh, we had another home tie against St Johnston in the quarterfinals. Rangers very confident of. The week before, we... Or Earlier in that week, it was two games within a few days, we we travelled to Perth to play St Johnston, fielded a, a much-changed side, drew 1-1. Your boy Scott Wright scored his first goal for Rangers, but uh, Rangers gave away an atrocious penalty in the dying seconds for uh, St Johnston to get an equaliser. However, I was incredibly confident going into that match against St Johnston at Ibrox, and Rangers just did not perform, just did not perform. Made very few chances. Alfredo Morelos hit the post. However, in extra time, 116 minutes, Joe Aribo with a delicious ball. And there, of course, was the skipper, the returning skipper, James Tavernier. And he, he puts us through to the next round. Well, he doesn't. In the last minute, Rangers concede a corner. St. Johnson send up their giant goalkeeper, Xander Clark, for reasons... I still can't get my head round. Nobody thinks to mark the enormous man in the luminous green jersey who was literally standing unmarked in a six-yard box. He wins the header. It's tapped over the line by Chris Kane and it goes to penalties. And I haven't met a Rangers fan, Stevie, since who thought when it went to penalties we were winning. And of course, we didn't. A very disappointing penalty shootout for Rangers. And we end up going out of the Cup. St Johnston, of course, go on to win it to add uh, a double cup. So well done to them. But from our point of view, these two cup competitions hurt because more so maybe in previous years, because I think that we felt certainly the League Cup was there for the winning. And the Scottish Cup Again, you know, when you've taken care of Celtic, you have the right to feel as a Rangers side that you are the favourites for the Cup. You've got a home tie in the quarters. It was all looking good. Uh, and somehow we contrived to throw in another terrible performance. Now, undefeated in the league, two very disappointing Cup defeats and two very similar Cup defeats in that Rangers get a late goal that should mean something more than it ends up doing and then turn off completely and end up conceding huge goals. It was very unleague like what happened against St Johnston because we we spoke about the So you know the, what I'm going to ask then logically so you know what I'm going to ask why Yeah I, I know what's coming and I don't know the answer of how that happens. I don't know and I don't think any Rangers fan can can answer but what I would say against St Johnston at Ibrox in that cup game 
it was almost like we had teleported back two years under Gerard because it was very Gerard of previous seasons where we had missed a, a lot of chances. Alfredo Morelos missed a couple, Kamar Roof missed a couple, and these were glaring opportunities where in the league we were snapping up and we were getting the luck or we were getting the break. It completely vanished on that night. Then when we did score, you're wanting them just to, you know, close up and see it out, which everybody was quite comfortable we were going to do. But the $1 million question, David, of, of how we cannot get over the line in a cup is something that I don't know the answer to. But the only rational positive solution I can give everybody listening is that our focus this season and previous years is 100% been on the league. Now, we haven't managed to do it in previous years, but has this year. I think there will be more onus and more, you know, more determination to do better in the Cups. And that's where I think we are at our best. I think that when you listen to Scott Arfield on the last day of the season last year, when he talks about right and wrongs and the players knowing they've let themselves down, that kind of determination that the club took into the league games, I'm hoping that they will take it into the Cup games as well. Now, David, you'll be sitting there going, Stevie, why, why not just do both? And everybody will be saying that, but I'm trying to see something... Including them, perhaps. The yes, I'm players. trying to see something that we can grasp onto to, to focus and, and look forward to the challenges next year in terms of the the big, you know, the big monkey that was on our back in terms of needing to win something is now gone. I'm hoping that we're going to see a more passion, you know, a more passionate, a more not more passionate, a more um, controlled Rangers team in terms of being a wee bit more confident in what they're doing. We're champions. So we're starting from a position of strength immediately. So there shouldn't be a nervousness around having to produce for the support and for the club because that bit is done. It should be a, a case of cementing the legacy that they've created and believing in themselves a wee bit more. Because that, that little bit of doubt that they might have had should be gone now. And that's a positive spin, David. I'm going to try and put on this and and try and look for that. Um, that's now gone from us. We we can now focus on on you know a, a a good assault on on the trophies, on the cups, and hopefully uh, be a wee bit more relaxed and and not feel the pressure as such um, that that they felt before. Because I've no doubt if we played that St Johnston game again. Um, then we would we would have taken more of our chances and we would have been out of sight because we did, you know, although we, it wasn't a great performance, we did miss chances mm-hmm. and it was very remin- reminiscent of, of what happened in years before. So that's the only thing I can offer, David. It, it's, you know, people might be listening and thinking it's a, it's a poor, weak excuse and, and perhaps it is, but I'm trying to convince myself of a positive and, that, and that's the one I'm coming up with that. This is gone well, now, you know, the trophy's yeah. here, it's home, we can relax, we can begin to breathe a wee bit and and start to focus on the challenges for what they are, right? You know, this is St Johnston at home. We have taken care of them at home. They're a very good side. They've got a great cup record they have. We shouldn't diminish that. But, you know, this is Rangers. We're league champions. Let's relax and let's go and take care of it the way we should. Yeah, the thing about it that's odd is, is again, you know, as you say, it's a side that we've played in the league and, and we've done, you know, pretty well against. Should have learned the lesson from the midweek, you know, to to sw- keep switched on to, to the end of the match and didn't. But 
even so, one of the things I'd say about this Rangers side is it does learn lessons, but it doesn't learn them instantly. And I'm not sure in football anymore that's possible. Um, I always did think that we'll learn your lesson. And you hear it from from certain managers. I'm sure we don't need to hear the phrase, we'll work on it in training this week to think of a recent Rangers manager. But I don't think it works like that. I think maybe when you're in the middle of a season or even just in a season and, and you're too close to it, this Rangers team has been good at going away each summer and coming back, having taken its lessons on board. But it, perhaps you need that space in which to do that and maybe we'll see that in the cups i think part of it is perhaps the legacy of the previous couple of seasons and the disappointments and i think that that was was certainly an issue with it secondly i think that they had set themselves this goal in the league and they just zoomed to it didn't they you know they never let up they just zoomed to that league title just kept going and kept going and kept going and possibly at the exclusion of everything else that's that's kind of David the kind of thing that I was trying to to hint at and and listen we we're sitting in and we're we're making excuses right but we're we're trying to see positives behind it and and explain it a wee bit and and part of that is is what I'm kind of drive at as well and and what I think as well is that they they were so focused they were they would have had it drummed into them at the start that the league was non-negotiable that it must be. There is a part of the psyche, David, that must have slightly taken the foot off the gas, you know, when it comes to other performances. And when we when we venture in and talk slightly about how that's different for Europe, we know it's a different style. We know that there's, you know, Rangers can can play a wee bit more counter-attack and free flow. And it's not like that in Scottish Cup competitive games because teams sit in and try and do that to us and it's, it's more difficult. But I do think, and, and I am trying again to, to kind of explain that, now that now that we are champions, I do think that we should be a lot more personally relaxed in of where we are as a club and as a squad, and the belief should be there that we have the capabilities now to land titles and land cups. And I don't see the the nervousness or or anything getting to us again that way next season. I I think that it's the final hurdle that that Gerard needs to get over as such, but it's not anywhere near the magnitude of the league. And and if David, if we're sitting here next year. You know, having won the league and not won the cups again, it'll be disappointing. But it's not, it's not devastating. The league is is the priority, and no, that's but, to diminish. That's no, to diminish it again. We should be doing better. But the league needs to come home is. every year. Yeah, I agree. But equally, Rangers should be winning cups. We should. We have a side that's more than capable of winning cups. And I think that, that it has been a mentality thing. Clearly, you can't explain it otherwise because it's not an ability thing. Obviously. So it has to be a mentality thing. I think it was just so disappointing that in those games, we didn't play well in either of them against the two Saints. Uh, and it's fair to say, but then we dug ourselves out of a hole twice and then threw it away. Absolutely threw it away. And I think that the reason that it hurt is as it, it was open. Both both cups were open to us to, to go on and win it. And we didn't manage to do that. And I think that that, was just hugely frustrating. And I do wonder if it was the, again, the switching mentality that in the league they played with a freedom of, well, you know, if we get this wrong, then we've other games to make up for it. Whereas in the cup, they knew well, one chance and we're out, really. Uh, I, like I say, I, I don't understand. I'm, the manager spoke, that Connor Goldson spoke in the in the review of the season in the, the special collector's magazine that they couldn't, 
you'll get their heads around why they'd failed to to perform in these two matches. Um, and it is something, but you need challenges, don't you? You can't, you know, just just rest in the laurels. And it's a reminder to this Rangers team that they've done brilliantly, but there are still mountains to climb. There are still places to conquer. And I think that's important, and it's definitely something I would uh, I would think would be getting focused on in the next season. But you're right, we would never say focus on the cups ahead of the the title. Equally, we should be capable of winning both. Great Rangers teams are, and certainly, you know, when the League Cup comes around, that there will be more pressure on them than perhaps usual. But that comes with the territory of playing for Rangers. Well, that then left us with the. The, the undefeated thing to play for. And it did mean something to us, Stephen. It did mean something to me. I, I, I'd rather have the Scottish Cup, but it's not a cake. You know, you, you don't get to meet the devil and make your choice. You can't have one or the other. So when the Scottish Cup was gone, I thought, no, I really want this. And I wanted the 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 record for clean sheets and least goals conceded. I, I wanted all of it. That might be selfish, but we're Rangers fans. Yeah, and I think the key thing is that we should want all of it. We should always strive for the very best. Um, as you said, it is Rangers, you know, so I, I want trebles, I want doubles, I want good runs in Europe, I want to be challenging at, at the latter stages. So when we, we, we didn't manage to do the Cup, and as disappointing that is, the focus then switches immediately to to the, the league performances. And I have to give the club a wee bit of credit, David, because... The players did bounce back, just like they did against St Mirren. They didn't allow it to kind of peter out or or disappointingly drop away. So we, we ended it strongly and there was a, a few very good moments and a few very good results. But what I would say, David, is, um, you know, b- before we leave the, the kind of cup behind, um, and, and this, you know, we, we talk about, we talk about you know, the evolution of, of Stephen Gerrard and, and changes. I wonder if Stephen Gerrard will be looking at himself and how he approaches the cup competitions and and if there's major changes between what he does in the league and what he does in the cup and whether or not he'll be addressing them personally because you know as well as I do that he's he's very um he's very truthful with with us and with fans with the media and he is very quick to point out where he thinks he can do better and where he thinks that you know he needs to change his approach so i wonder if we'll see a different approach to cup competitions next season in, in style and, and that Rangers might, in, in the case of, of some, some league games this season, we went out and won them immediately and straight away and, and went out with that kind of determination. I wonder if we'll we'll change our approach and that's something, David, in, in the evolution and where Gerard's taking Rangers and where he's taking himself as a manager. That's something I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah, and I, we've gradually, I mean, I think Europe, right from the start, this team or the teams because it is a different team now it's, it's evolved that's the whole point of this show but it, it grasped what you needed to do it grasped how to set up for those games leagues stamina perhaps mentality it learned cups the final frontier to to quote star trek much to the pleasure of of our friend cammy bell who is a big fan so yeah it, it, it's an interesting thing but you, you know it annoys them and you know it annoys the players and you know it annoys Gerard in particular that this is something that they're desperate to to conquer. The nearest, of course, we came was that League Cup final against Celtic when we were unfortunate, but we didn't win. And that is all that matters in a cup final. Um, but speaking of Celtic, they would come to Ibrox. Now, they had very little left to play for at this point. They had nothing left to play for at this point, but they could be the team who ended Rangers 
undefeated record, uh, preserving their invincible status from a, f- a few years ago under Brendan Rodgers. Uh, they came to Ibrox and, and, and were giving it a little bit of chat in the media beforehand. John Kennedy might have claimed to have been misquoted, but he did suggest that on their day Celtic were still the best team in Scotland. This kind of seemed to really irritate the, the Rangers players, uh, Borna Barisic describing it as the biggest joke I've heard all year. And Rangers would then go out on the park, Stevie, and leather them. Yeah, David, and it was the result that we'd been longing for. I think that's fair to say because the season's had everything. It's had the unbeaten runs, it's had the, the big moments, it's had the victories at, at Parkhead, it's had the big victories in Europe. The one thing we were lacking was taking their pants down and giving them a bit of a spanking. Now, you and I both know that um, something we've discussed before, which is, is pivotal to, to Gerard and the way we've done it, the game in September and the Cup game at Ibrox were very similar because Rangers raced in a 2-0 lead. And when you were just asking them to take the handbrake off a wee bit and go and get more goals, which was well within them, they managed the game out, which is perfect because we've discussed where we've came and the evolution of Gerard tactically and Rangers as a team. That highlights just how well we were able to carry that out. Whereas this time, you know, I thoroughly believe, and you know, it might be my heart speaking as a Rangers fan, but if Borna hadn't been injured in the last um, 20 minutes and, and we were about to bring on Defoe and Hadji a bit earlier, I thoroughly believe that Rangers would have got a couple more because they were dead on their feet. Rangers were well on top. As it, as it happened, Borna went off. We had to rejig slightly. Joe Rebo went back to left back. And at 3-1, we kind of played the game out, although we did add a fourth. But I thoroughly believe at that point, David, 20 minutes left, we were heading to five or six. And I think Gerard had said to them, right, go and get that. And that excites me because I think that's well well capable now. I think we're well in the, in the zone to do that. And there was a determination that day that the comments were laughable from John Kennedy. And I know and understand he has to say it. But there's a diplomatic way of saying, you know, what he said. And, and he might say he was misquoted and whatever. But like you, I think there's a you know, a definite tone in, in what he said to try and undermine our achievements. That's personally what I what I thought at the time. Clearly the players did also, but we were magnificent. We started off well. Um, and I know, obviously, David, take us a wee bit through. You talk us through that day because you were obviously there. You would have, you would have felt the atmosphere a wee bit more. Um, and there was a, a, a definite era of determination. Yeah, the, the, there was an edge about the Rangers team. I think anyone who watched that game will see that right from right from the start. And of course, Rangers take the lead. That that wonderful finish from Kamar Roof, who interestingly, when he runs away after scoring, it sort of looks up to the sky as much as thank God for that because he'd been rotten for the first twenty-five, but he couldn't control. The and ball. also, and also, David, sorry to. I think, in fairness, he had been. I, I personally had given him a wee bit of stick after St Johnston Cup game because I felt he played within himself. And we know that Kamar Roof is an outstanding player when he's on it. I just thought he wasn't on it a wee bit and he had a definite point to prove in this game. And, you know, what often happens when I go out on a wee limb and, and give somebody a wee bit of stick, <laughs> they, they slap me back in the face. And I wouldn't have it any other way, you know. If, if they're going to do it, then do it that way. But as you said, a wonderful finish. Um, Callum McGregor in that move gets himself sent off he was a walking red card he could have been off before that he would have been off after that he 
I don't know if he didn't want to be there or whatever, but he, he crowned probably the worst season a player's had since any member of that 2014-15 squad at Ibrox over uh, over a year to go off. And then Celtic, they got a goal back, interestingly, from Edward, but even then you could tell he gave up. Alfie scoring that goal, we all said when he gets one. And he just goes and proves it straight away by adding that that beautiful second. And then in the second half, you're right, um, Rangers just kept going. You could sense the urgency. You could sense that the players wanted to do that. You could tell that they were you're very much in the zone and wanted and it beaten. I suspect, because there's still, no matter how big a game it is, it's still a surreal atmosphere, even after all this time, when you're in a ground and there's nobody there. And that day, there's more noise outside than there is inside. Um, I think if the the Rangers support had been there that day, it would have been about six or seven. I really believe that. I think Rangers would have absolutely annihilated. I think the crowd would have rolled them on. But delighted to see Jermaine Defoe get that goal and to see how much it meant to him um, when he scored that goal. Uh, he he really really wanted that, and it was just it was a lovely moment for every Rangers supporter, and it meant then the last game of the season against Aberdeen would of course be title day. We would get the trophy, all the emotion of it. A wild day at Ibrox Stadium that day. Well behaved, by the way. Before anybody who's listening in tries to you know tries to think that I'm I'm saying I'm not because there were thousands and thousands of bears. They were well organised. Uh, I thought the Union Bears in particular did a very good job of making sure everyone stayed where they were supposed to stay. I mean, some people climbed up lamp posts, of course, but uh, oh, you know, don't fair. talk about that. Spider Man. Spider Man. What I said to you. That 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 I don't know about anybody else that sees that picture, but even to this day now, that still gives me severe anxiety. Well, I just think that the journey started in 2012 with a Spider-Man at Breakin, um, and it ended with a Spider-Man outside Ibrox, which was fair. Um, we welcomed Aberdeen that day, and Rangers just horsed them. Um, went to sleep a bit in the second half, but they woke up and added another couple of goals uh, for a 4 0 tanking of Aberdeen. Um, Alan McGregor, hilarious as always. Rangers not conceding meant that they, they did achieve that record of, of most clean sheets and only 13 conceded beating the previous record, which is ridiculous. But he was asked afterwards on an interview on, I think on Sky, it seemed like you really wanted the clean sheet and being Alan McGregor, he went, I, at times I thought I was the only one. <laughs> Just he's about to go pick up a league trophy. Absolutely brilliant. But Stevie, 13 goals, 13. I mean, over a season, that's ludicrous. Yeah, and it also beats a British record, um, which was 15 held by Chelsea under Jose Mourinho and the famous, you know, parking the bus, the Carvalho and Terry, um, Albert Ferrer, I think was at right back, and Wayne Bridget left back, which was a phenomenal four. So it shows you how good Rangers have been. Um, the, the funny thing is, you know, that um, that Aberdeen game, they missed some unbelievable chances. So we did we did have that luck at times in that game, but Rangers were ruthless in front of goal. And this is this kind of goes a wee bit back to the St Johnston game, where I think had that St Johnston Cup game been a league game, those chances that fell to particularly Talfredo and things, we would have tucked them away no problem. Whereas in the league in that game, the, the chances we had, Kamar Roof's um, finish, Jermaine Defoe's finish. Um, you know, lovely strikes. 
both relaxed in front of goal, taking their opportunities perfectly. I can't help but think that there there was a slightly different, you know, kind of feeling towards those opportunities. But, you know, a a great day, David. And even then, you know, you know me and and the listeners will know me, but I was concerned going into that game because there's, you get to the point now where you don't want to lose that. You would, you never want to um, get to the last opportunity and then kind of fall at the hurdle. So, Rangers were very good that day. As you said, sleeping for 15 minutes or so in the second half. But the ability to inject some life from from, from the bench and then go on from there and kick on, scoring some good goals. And and that's twice this season. You know, Aberdeen have come to Ibrox and we're beating them 4-0 and that shouldn't be overlooked either. So, perfect ending. You know, and especially after going to Levy during the week and, and beating them 3-0 as well. We had a, a very good performance that night. Um and goals from Kane and Anita and a tab penalty. Aribo a left back again filling in superbly. So he was they have that night. It. Yeah, they finished the season really strongly, David. And and overall, when when we look back on it and in, in years to come, this this squad should be given the, the highest accolades and, and the biggest adulation because this was a pressure year. Coming off of the back of where we were, you know, if you go back to the, the you know episode four of, of this podcast series and, and, and we look at where we were picking up from and, and what we were dealing with to go on this phenomenal run, you know, like they have league wise to, to bring the title home, to perform the way that the players have and, and see it through the way that the players did. We lost three games in 56, you know, just a phenomenal effort and next season and the seasons that follow when, when we do, drop points and we do lose games, which inevitably will happen and will come, I think we'll realise just how incredible this season has been. I think so. And Stephen Gerrard took the you know, took the applause. He got soaked in champagne. Of course he did by Alfie. Uh of course it was. And it was a wonderful day. And we're now looking at him three years in. Now the man who arrived, this legendary figure, well that hasn't changed. Um he will always be Stephen Gerrard that that will never change. But I don't think we look at him now as, oh my God, that's Steven Gerrard, the famous footballer. I think Rangers fans at this stage look at him as that Steven Gerrard, Rangers manager. And that is a subtle but different and important change, I think, Stevie. I think that that, that shows you that he has grown into that role because there's a lot more to being a Rangers manager than just building a successful team. That's the number one requirement. But you carry a lot of hopes, dreams, and also responsibilities to the way that you conduct yourself. And that, I think, is something that we've been very, very fortunate that here was a man who arrived and immediately just got all that. He didn't have to learn it. It wasn't a shock to him. He didn't resent it. He accepted this as a part. You even want it in simple terms. It's quite clear that Stephen Gerrard would be a tracksuit manager. But at Rangers, we don't do that. You shut and tie and suit. And no grumbles, no complaints. He just got, this is what we do at this club. Yeah, and I think he did. And I think that the setbacks he had, David, every time he's had a setback, he's responded to it stronger. And I think that that is really important. And how do I explain it? Steven Gerrard, when he came to Rangers, didn't come to Rangers as a Rangers fan. He didn't come to Rangers steeped in history or knowing the expectations. He had a fairly um, broad you know, idea of what it would be like having come in from a football mad city in Liverpool. 
and coming from a huge club with a, you know fanatical fan base. But I still think in himself, he, he maybe wouldn't have expected it to be like it was. And what he's done is that he has revolutionised his own style and his own love for Rangers along the way, if that makes sense. Because he's now one of us. He's, he's now, he acts the way we want him to act. He talks the way he wants us to talk. He treats the club with the same magnitude as it should get. And even if you look at the Tranmere game that's just passed and, you know, he's absolutely furious. He's absolutely fuming. He understands and the, the words he uses in terms of this is Rangers, this is what never happened here. And this, you know, we we will make sure this doesn't happen and, you know, things will strive to get better, etc. Everything he says, and, and he understands the magnitude of, of everything surrounding our club. That's the, the kind of greater point I'm trying to make. And I think when you look at him as being an outsider, I think that the journey he's taken himself on from Steven Gerrard, the player, to the coach, to having the same kind of stature and the same respect when he walks into a room as somebody like Walter Smith, I think that's incredible. And I think that's nothing but, you know, to be commended from the way that that, that, that he's evolved as a manager. And as we, we've spent time looking at his journey and, and the great thing about it is, having delivered the league, he's still got so much more to achieve. This isn't Steven Gerrard, the complete, you know, um, the complete manager and, and nowhere to go. This is Steven Gerrard, who's now, you know, completed the, the big one, but has still got so far to go. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes next, David. And you've, you've spent time with him. You've seen him throughout the year. The determination, the focus, the drive to make sure that that league comes home. Now that it's home. He doesn't seem like he wants to stop there. No, I don't think he does. I think that I think that he is a guy who was driven by a lot of things. Firstly, uh, an almost preternatural inbuilt drive, and that's you know why he achieved so much in his career. But I spoke to a journalist from down south who's known him his whole career, and he said to me earlier this season he's haunted by what happened, the slip you know, the game against Chelsea. He said, and he's desperate to win a league title. He said, and it was one of the reasons why he came to Rangers because he could see how big it was for the club and it echoed what it was for him, that it was a holy grail thing for us and it was a holy grail thing for Stephen Gerrard, the man, to deliver a league title. Now, of course, we know Liverpool have, have since won a league title and I'm sure he was delighted about that, but he needed one. He wanted one more than anything. And I think that's why Rangers appealed to him more than, of course, the guy who'll be forever twinned with in people's imaginations, Frank Lampard. He goes to Derby and, you know, has a crack at promotion and stuff. And obviously that did then smooth a transition to, to Chelsea, albeit in unique circumstances for Chelsea. But but I think that Gerard needed to go somewhere where there was intense pressure to deliver an actual league title. Not a promotion, but an actual league title. He needed to go somewhere where he could do that and then almost take away right at the start the thing that that would get held against him is like well you don't know what it's like to win a league title yes I do right didn't do as a player but I did it as a manager and I did it from miles behind with a smaller budget I didn't take over the top team in the country who'd won the league by x amount of points and then just take them to a title he took a really difficult task 
and he did it, and he did it by 25 points. I mean, a, a remarkable achievement, and he did it by building a terrific side that played great football. And I think that that matters to him. I, I don't think that he would have, you know, I think he wanted a league title over and above, but there is a difference between, as I say, taking over the Rangers team and then, for example, taking over the Celtic team from Brendan Rodgers. And it sounds that sounds like a dig at Neil Lennon. It's really not, but clearly one of the situations is easier than the other. common sense you're taking over a very good side that's well coached you've got more money than your opponents it should be easier to win a title it's it's common sense whereas you're taking over a club that's been through the ringer that needs a whole new squad assembled in that summer of 2018 on a limited budget your your opponents that summer can go out and spend nine million on one player we couldn't get near that and i think that it was about proving something to himself as well as proving something to the outside world and I think that it, it, it kind of erased a lot of ghosts or exercised a lot of ghosts for him. Anyone who's read his book will know that that, that game against Chelsea will always be something that, that that's there. But I think now the fact that he's been able to overcome that, to set himself another enormous challenge and to overcome it, bodes really, really well for him in the future. Yeah, and I think it would have also helped that Liverpool under Klopp have delivered the, the Premiership title and delivered the the Champions League in quick succession with a remarkable team that they had. He's, he's then been able to come up and and do exactly what people said he couldn't do with Rangers. Because let's 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 be honest, David. Again, we we journey back. He didn't take over a thriving Rangers team. He didn't take over a thriving Rangers squad. He, he didn't have the infrastructure. He was starting from scratch. He had no central defence. It was a job that would take years. And it's not like we are all patient Ranger supporters. You know, I speak from experience. I'm just a grumpy little man when it comes to Rangers. And a lot of us um, were, were with him always, you know, throughout it. And, and that's fine. But it wasn't easy. It wasn't like he was above criticism. It wasn't like it was a infatuation. He's, he's had with, with Stephen Gerrard, the person, you know, as much as we do love him, we, we've there maybe him. was a bit of that. I mean, I at start, yeah. Absolutely. I I think that you know we we have to be honest there and say, I, and I'll admit to this, I invested so much in him being the one. You know, yes, but but David, you still criticised him. That's the point I'm making. You were still critical of him. You still criticised the the cup exit. She said, "What I'm trying to say is, it wasn't an easy ride for him, and he's away from his family. He's away from Liverpool." And he made an investment into turning Rangers around and he stuck it through and he's seen it out and he's still here to do the next bit. And I think that that is as much to be praised as, as anything in his journey himself as well. Yeah, and, and I do think that there's a an inherent hunger in him that drives him on and that, you know, the cup things do rankle. I think that's good because he's the type of guy who gets motivated by that if you're satisfied that Rangers are going to struggle and we've, we've seen what complacency can do just across the road. Um, and by the time you realize that you're in trouble with complacency, an awful lot kind of burnt down by then. It doesn't very rarely do people notice it the first minute it strikes. It's only when you look around and say, wow, we're actually in a bit of bother here. And I, I'd like to think that, that his attitude and his drive will, will save us from that. How important is Mick Beale? Um, I don't think you can understate it. 
I don't think that you can understate the influence of all the backroom staff, to be honest, which when you look at, you know, the calm and presence, the more bubbly character that Gary McAllister is, we've, we've spoke about this before, about how fun it is to speak to him. He's the yin to Gerard Yang, if, if so to speak, where, you know, for Walter there was Archie, now for Stephen there's Gary. And then behind them, you've got Mick Beale, who is the tactical masterclass in terms of the way he sets teams up, the preparation, the, the work that he does on the training field. I've been fortunate enough, David, to see a couple of years ago, I think you might remember, I got the, the squad picture taken and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we we managed to sit and watch 10 minutes of, of training before we were we were told that we weren't allowed to see anything else. Mm-hmm. And it was see for ten minutes. It was it was fascinating to to speak to Michael Beale. Um, Adams obviously spoken to him before. Um, I've spoken to Mick a couple of times. He, he's he's very approachable in terms of of fan media, and he likes what we do. He likes you know he likes to know. And the thing is, when you when you speak when you speak to Mick Beale, um, he never and and. I'm not sitting here pretending I'm his best friend and that's not what it's meant to. You're talking about once, six months, you know, you might you might get a message or, or speak to him. But he doesn't shut you down. So if you say to him, you've got an opinion on something, he finds it interesting, he's like, oh, that's interesting. So he doesn't give you anything back, which is, is, is quite... I remember talking to him about where he thinks he's strengthening and I said midfield. I think we're desperate. And he says, oh, that's, that's interesting. And it was no... Oh well, like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't work like that. But I get the feeling that he's interested in in what you have to say. But he's got a he's got a determination, and he's obviously hugely respected. And it's fun funny when you when players come up, um, and when you think about the likes of Joe Rebo, Ryan Kent, um, even guys like you know, to lesser extent coming up this year. John Lundstrom's mentioned it and things like that. He talks about Mick Beal. Everybody, they don't talk about Stephen Gerrard only. They talk about Stephen Gerrard, Gary McAllister, Mick Beale. So Mick's obviously well known from the work he's done with the Chelsea under-18s and where he started and then going out to Brazil, coming back. He's obviously a hugely respected figure. And I can see Mick Beale going on to big things, David. I think he's got everything um, tactically. And what I like about Rangers, when you watch them, we have a clear identity about what we're trying to do, how we're trying to play the game, what we're trying to achieve. And there's been times where, under certain managers, we've 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 had a style, but it's it's been on individuals, mm-hmm. um, and and highly based on on what they do. It's not like that as Rangers are a, a fluent team. You know we're well built and and well organised. So in terms of your question, you know how valuable is Mick Beale? I think the massive the answer is is massive, especially for Gerard, who was a complete rookie. He needed a solid team round him. To identify McBeal the way he did, to approach McBeal, and you know, I think we we spoke about this. You mentioned it before, to approach him in in Melwood and in, in Liverpool training ground and say, you know, how's your fancy coming up and being my assistant at Rangers, um, or or head first team coach, so to speak. But a masterstroke by Gerard, hugely hugely important. McBeal is probably as important to Rangers as Stephen Gerrard is to Rangers. That's that's how highly I value him. I don't think that's unfair. And, and listen, I think that it's one of the great things. A manager I really admire, you know, despite some of the, the things he says at times, but as a manager is Sir Alex Ferguson. And he was, I think, brilliant at delegating. 
and not feeling the need to do everything himself and recognising that some people had strength that he didn't have, i.e. he would bring in, you know, Kiroz or McLaren or whatever, and they, they kind of took command of the coaching. But it was still his club and it was still very much stamped with his authority. And I think I recognise that in Gerard in that he has people around him who trust him, Tom Culshaw, Gary, or he trusts Gary McAllister, Michael Beale, but he recognises what they're good at and he lets them all go off and do it. And I think that is important because if you have a manager perhaps who who doesn't do that and maybe thinks a little bit too much of his skills in one area or is a micromanager and or can't let people go off and do what they're good at without interfering and, and limiting them. And I'm not sure you can learn that. I think you, you have to just be confident enough in who you are and what you're doing to allow people to do that. And I think that Gerard does do that with his staff. And then that lets that lets us get the best out of what Michael Beale can bring to the club, what Gary McAllister can bring, what Tom Culshaw, what Jordan Milsom, what all of them can bring to the club. And I think that that, that shines through to me a little bit, that that's very much the case. These are guys who, you know, at the end of the day, they still have to answer to Stephen Gerrard, but nobody, nobody has a problem with that. They get that. He's the leader. But equally he'll defer if you like at times without being weak but he'll defer at times to say do you know what this is your area of expertise I'm secure enough in my position to let you go and run with that I think the great thing about it David is as well as what you say there see when you talk about the team as a whole there um, Stephen Gerrard's very quick to say to, to highlight the work of Tom Kilshaw when it comes to set pieces and like organisation that way then they talk about Jordan Wilson, how fit people are and things like that. We are a management team. And that, you know, everybody's got their expertise. Everybody's vital to where it is. Everybody's part of the evolution, which is led by Gerard. Everybody has, has kind of learned and evolved. And we conceded a lot of goals from set pieces. That's got better. Um, we, we then didn't score a lot. That's got better. We are, we are fitter now than we ever have been before. Um, tactically, we've learned lessons and we've we've evolved the the very structured four three three into being different thereafter. Also, you know, everybody's came along with Stephen Gerrard. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Everybody yeah, has everybody has started off from a position of not being rookies, you know, not completely untried, but being put together as a team, and they've evolved into a proper management team. When Steven Gerrard goes, we will lose that management team because I'm sure that if he goes to Liverpool, they will go with him and be his backroom staff. That's how important and how good they are um, and how much he'll value them. So, you know, we should enjoy what we've got. And it's also nice to have that that squad. You know, you look at um, things that have happened on the touchline. We, Tom Culshaw, David, I'm not arguing with him. No, you, you know, shouldn't. I wouldn't either. <laughs> You know, and it's that kind of strength and unity and, and leadership from the management that when it comes, I don't for one second think, you know, after Tranmere, and we're not, we're talking about Tranmere as being a friendly and, and minutes in the leg and it doesn't matter. I'm not for one minute thinking those players went in and didn't get their arse severely kicked by that management team who understand completely what's what our requirements are. So it's only a positive for me in, in terms of, as much as we are Stephen Gerrard, we're also like the management team overall. 
And I think that the way they've embraced the club, dude, the way that they've all bought into it, the, the way that they have evolved through the years has, has been incredible and something that I'm really grateful for. I won't say it's a, the greatest management team that I've seen because in terms of, of trophies and, and things like that, then it, it, it's not quite up there. But what I would try and say is, and a point that I'll try and make is, when you look back on great Rangers teams under Walter Smith, under um, Alex McLeish, etc., you tend to think of Alex McLeish and, and Andy Watson, maybe, but you're constantly concentrating on the man himself. When we look back in years to come, you know, and, and answer again to your, your question about Michael Beale and things like that, when we talk about Stephen Gerrard, people will instantly go to Gary McAllister, Michael Beale, Jordan Milsom, etc. And I think that's how important they are. Well, folks, it's been a wonderful ride, but it isn't over yet because Stephen and I are aware that undoubtedly we'll have missed stuff or we'll not have got stuff uh, into enough detail on stuff for you. So that's why we're going to have a Q&A show next week. We'd ask you to submit your questions, various ways of doing that. You can tweet me at Rocks. You can tweet Stevie, uh, who's at Four Lads Had a Dream. You can leave your comments if you're a, a, a Patreon subscriber or you're listening on Patreon because it's free on Patreon. You can leave your comments there in the, in the thread and we'll answer them next week. And I'm sure, Stephen, we'll get different perspectives and new areas to look at that perhaps we haven't been able to, to get into throughout the show. So it's a good way of opening our eyes to new things as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's always nice to have that interaction because, like you said, there'll be bits that we've maybe skimmed over or points that people will have thought were, were vital in this journey. And when they mention it, David, we'll probably be like, oh, you know, you're absolutely right. So encourage everybody to get involved. Doesn't matter how many we, you send in. If if it's two shows on Q&A, then let's do it because this has been a fabulous series to be involved in. The feedback that we've had has been incredible the comments, the messages, the DMs, you know, the posts on, on follow, follow, etc. All of it makes it worthwhile. So this is your chance to, you know, without sounding a wee bit wanky or a wee bit bad, that's not what I'm meaning to do, but this is your chance to come and join us and get involved in it. And I'm looking forward, David, to seeing what everybody's, you know, points are, what everybody's kind of perspective is, what Gerard can do next, what he's done well, what he hasn't done well, you know, bring it to us and we'll, we'll enjoy it. And, and it's a great way to end this part, David, of the evolution, you know, of Stephen Gerrard, because I would love to be sitting here next summer and me and you to be doing part two of this particular series. With the Champions League trophy this time? Well, you know, obviously. I Got think that dreams. goes without saying. Got it. He's won it once. Yeah, and no goals conceded. I don't think it's so, that much to ask. Absolutely right, folks. Thank you so much to everyone who's helped. Thank you so much for the contributions in advance that we're, we're hoping to get from you. CVI will be back next week. And until then, stay safe. Take care. Bye-bye. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.